Hey, it's Danielle Renee, and you're listening to the Everyday Christlike Podcast, where we focus on representing Christ each and every day. Be blessed as you listen. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Danielle Renee. Uh, listen, do you remember that old show, Family Matters, with that character Steve Urkel? Well, we were watching one of those reruns, and one of the young characters named Laura was hosting a garage sale. Now, she was told she could sell anything in the home except an old quilt that belonged to her grandmother. But she was offered $300 for the quilt, a deal she felt she couldn't pass down. And later, she was boasting about the sales to the family. Her grandmother burst into tears. Turns out the quilt was a generational gift handed down from daughter to daughter to daughter all throughout the family on their wedding day. And it was the only living record of her family tree dating back over a hundred years. Now, because Laura had no experience with the quilt or marriage for that matter, when she sold it, she had no understanding the significance the quilt would one day play in her life. She just couldn't appreciate its true value. And though she would have had to have waited to her wedding day to really fully appreciate uh, this extraordinary gift, it was still worth far more than 300 bucks, right? Well, I was thinking about this as I was doing my Bible study, and it reminded me of the story of Jacob and Esau. Now, if you remember, Jacob and Esau were brothers, and Esau was the bigger of the two. It says in the book of Genesis chapter 25 that uh, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man. He, he dwelt in tents. And it talks about how Esau, you know, had the favor of his father, but Jacob was kind of like a mama's boy. He had the favor of his mother. Now Esau was the older brother, meaning that he had the family birthright. In this culture and at this time, birthright meant headship of the family. And it also equaled a double share of whatever that family's inheritance was. And there's this story at the end of chapter 25, where Jacob tricks Esau into giving him his birthright, into selling it to him. In verse 29, it says, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I am weary. 31, but Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what's a birthright to me anyways? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to Jacob and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now it's important that we take a minute to kind of refocus on the real point of the story because at first glance it's like man that was kind of a dirty trick that Jacob did to his brother you know the man's hungry why not just give him a bowl of soup instead he's over here trying to deceive him out of out of his brother's birthright and while that's true I mean Jacob in and of itself the name means deceiver and it was a deceptive thing to do however let's put it in the proper perspective Although Jacob was deceptive, he didn't have the power to just take whatever he wanted. He had no legitimate right or claim to the birthright, and he couldn't have overpowered Esau, being that he was the smaller of the two brothers. Now, the real issue in this story is not the influence of the deceiver, 
as much as it is the lack of value Esau himself placed on what he owned to begin with. Like Laura, who sold her family quilt, completely unaware of the significance it would play in her life one day, Esau sold himself short by prioritizing his immediate gratification over his future blessing. I mean, when I read that, it's like, come on, Esau, a bowl of soup, really? Really? But how meaningless would some of our own choices seem when viewed from the perspective of eternity? I mean, think about it. Let's say by some miraculous way, we were able to see eternity on a timeline. How inconsequential would the issue that we're struggling with right in this present moment, how inconsequential would that issue be against the backdrop of eternity? I mean, even if you dealt with that issue for your entire lifetime, let's say you lived a hundred years, even if you had that issue, that annoyance, that hindrance, that, that nail in your side, even if you had that for the next a hundred years, how inconsequential would that 100-year problem be against the backdrop of eternity? Yet these are the problems that we allow ourselves to get bogged down with. We, we get so caught up in these temporary issues, these temporary problems, and we allow those things to hinder our relationship with the Almighty God. We allow those things to hinder the relationship that provides our future eternal blessing. Now, okay, does that mean we're supposed to walk around miserable <laughs> with, you know, without any expectation for happiness? Of course not. The Bible says that Christ came that we might experience life abundantly. But I do believe there is error when we have a preoccupation with our immediate and consistent gratification in the here and now. When we prioritize this YOLO life, you only live once, when we prioritize that theology over the truth of God's word, it's the preoccupation with immediate satisfaction, immediate gratification with the temporal that blinds us to the value of our of the future promise we have in Christ. I mean, Esau traded it all willingly for a bowl of soup. Yes, his brother, you know, he kind of did a rotten thing and, and had him up against the ropes, but it was his preoccupation with wanting to be fed now, wanting to be satisfied in his belly now that blinded him to the richness of his future blessing. So much so that it gave room for a deceiver. It gave room for a person who had no power and no legitimate claim to the birthright to renegotiate Esau's destiny. Now, I, I truly believe that there are people here listening right now that are they're teetering on the line. They're, they're, they've got an understanding about who God is, but they haven't quite fully surrendered. They haven't quite fully rejected their desire to live their own way, to be the God of their own lives and live their own way so that they can be satisfied with all the lusts of their belly in the here and now. And I want to say, I want to challenge you in love and without judgment to see it for what it is. It's sin. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sitting and experiencing those hunger pains, Esau, without trying to intervene 
by his own ability, but just sitting in the experience of that discomfort, that's actually a position of faith, even though it's uncomfortable. It's a mindset of faith because you're acknowledging that your birthright is so pregnant with promise that you'd be crazy to think anything else could compare. It's saying, listen, I'll deny myself today fully believing that the promise I have in Christ, even though it might be off in the future, is worth more than anything this world can offer me today. But see, it's hard to have that kind of faith, a faith that penetrates behavior, a faith that gets down and denies the self. It's hard to have that kind of faith if your promise has become irrelevant to you. Think about the prodigal son. We often focus on the circumstances of his return home, but what about the mindset that caused him to leave? His desire to experience and participate in the pleasures of the present was stronger than his trust in and the value for his father's plan for his future. And some of us live this are living this way right now. I mean, we're doing this right now, staying in ungodly relationships for fear of experiencing the discomfort of being alone, entertaining ungodly conversations because we're we place more value on being accepted than we do on accurately representing Christ. So we'll redefine the truth and glorify our own talents just so we can gain from this world at the expense of our eternal inheritance. It's all soup. And what a fearful thing to stand before the creator of the eternal and confess we counted his promise to us and his sacrifice and his gift to us in, in the person of Jesus Christ what a fearful thing to stand before him and say, we counted that a light thing or worse, that something temporal, something fleeting was more desirable to us than the inheritance his son died to make available to us. The problem wasn't that a deceiver overpowered Esau. And as long as you're a child of God, the enemy has no power over you, nor does he have any legitimate authority over your destiny. The problem isn't the deceiver. The problem is that like Esau, many times we don't fully appreciate the promise that we have in Christ. So we trade that promise for the satisfaction of the here and now. I'm challenging you guys because I don't want to stand before God at the end of my life and be found guilty for trading my time on earth away for something so inconsequential as a bowl of soup. So how do we move out of a place of being people that live life in pursuit of fulfilling and satisfying the lust of our own flesh into a more eternal minded mindset, a mindset that says, I want to live in light of the fact that I have a future promise. I don't want to participate in anything that hinders or dishonors the relationship with whom my true blessing lies. How do we get to that place? And for that, I, I want to stress that our thoughts, the things that we meditate on, that shapes and frames our belief systems. And our belief systems then 
motivate and produce our reaction and our behavior. <laughs> Let me give you an example. When I was newly married, okay, my husband was coming home from work and I had built up in my mind this whole kind of date night type of a thing. And so I had made a nice dinner and got nice and dressed up and I was ready at seven o'clock for my husband to walk in the door. The problem was he didn't walk in the door <laughs> and 7.30 came and eight o'clock came and the more time went on, the the more angry I got. And I just started to create in my mind this negative narrative. You know, I would say things like, oh, he has no respect for me. He could have at least called. What does he think? I'm just sitting around here all day. All of these negative things that I allowed to just ruminate in my mind and create this narrative, this belief system that my husband was almost intentional about his tardiness, right? And so when he comes in the door, here goes my reaction, my behavior, which was based solely on the narrative I built in my own mind. I reacted to him with such anger. I was upset and I was just so irritated that he would think of me the way that I had convinced myself that he actually thought of me. And he let me finish. He had one of those uh, Kevin Hart moments where he's like, uh, are you done? <laughs> and when he, when I was finally finished, he said, honey, I'm sorry I'm late. My meeting went long. And because I knew I kept you waiting, I stopped to get you some flowers. Yeah, I'm just going to pause because that's how long it took me to get my job off of the floor. <laughs> and see, had I known that he was stopping to get flowers, my reaction to him, my decision to behave a certain way would have been completely different. Had I truly understood that even though I had to wait for this blessing of the flowers, had I understood that it was on the horizon, I would have behaved differently, not just in the moment that he arrived, but I would have behaved differently the entire time I was waiting. The Bible says it like this in Colossians chapter three. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Be a people that are eternity minded. Yes, we live in the here and now. And when we're talking about the promise we have in God, we're talking about a twofold promise, right? There's the blessing of of this abundant life that we do get to experience now. But there's also the blessing of our future inheritance in heaven with him. And, and the more that we begin to, to fully understand who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, and how he interacts with us and lives in light of his word so that there's no hindrance in experiencing the abundant life he's made available to us, the more we begin to understand what is this rich inheritance that we have as the people of God, not just now, but for, for all of eternity. What does all that really mean? The more we begin to spend time with our incredible God, the more our thought life will begin to reflect his. And the more our thought life begins to reflect his, the more our value system, our belief system will begin to reflect his. And the more that our thoughts and our beliefs begin to change, the more our behavior will begin to change. 
It's like my father once told me, Danielle, when a woman sees her child trapped under a car, she doesn't have to do push-ups to be able to have the strength to get her child out. No, it is her love for the child that propels her into supernatural strength. And it's the same for you and I in our relationship with the Lord. Sitting and having a to-do list on how to be better, how to be more eternity-minded is not is not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is reprioritizing the time in your life to fall more and more in love with Christ, to fall more and more in love with our Father, to get to know more intimately the Holy Spirit. And as we do those things, our love for the Lord will propel us into more eternity-minded living. Now, if this is ringing true for some of you and you're saying, listen, Danielle, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live in a way where I'm trading my future promise, my, my, my future blessing for a bowl of soup. The, what this life has to offer, I, I don't want that to be my life's pursuit. Well, first and foremost, we've got to repent for where we are, right? And it's a simple thing. It doesn't, we don't have to over-spiritualize that. Father, I acknowledge that where I'm currently at is not your will for my life. And I make the decision to turn, turn in my thinking and turn in my behavior. And I ask that you come into my life and help me to become more like you. Equip me, surround me with the people that are going to help me as you begin the process of transforming me from the inside out. Thank you, Father. Thank you in advance for the work you're getting ready to do in my life. And listen, if that's you, I want you to head over to our website at everydaychristlike.com and click on the prayer request tab and shoot us a message and just let us know where you are in your walk. And we want to uh, join your team. We want to surround you and cover you in prayer and be a part of helping you grow in the things of God. And for those of you that are just more interested in the promises that we have in Christ, I want you to go to the website and click to download the free study guide and begin to edify yourself with the truth of God's word. We serve an amazing God and there is so much to be had within the confines of lordship to this incredible, incredible God. God bless you.